You're listening to Creators in Saigon, a podcast based in the rapidly modernizing city of Saigon, Vietnam. I'm Dana, and together with my co-hosts, Tuesi and Nico, we interview the most inspiring creative entrepreneurs Saigon has to offer on topics about life, relationships, creativity, business, health, and more. We are all coaches specializing in different areas, but our common goal is to inspire you to reach your full potential in these areas and improve the quality of your life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. So welcome back to Creators in Saigon podcast, where we're interviewing inspiring creatives and entrepreneurs in Saigon, Vietnam, about life, relationships, personal growth, identity, entrepreneurship, and more. Today, we're interviewing Tao Tran. Did I say that right? Yes. Yes. Welcome, Tao. Tao is a native Vietnamese, born and raised in Vietnam, Saigon, Ho Chi Minh mm-hmm. City, and graduated, graduated from California State University in Fullerton mm-hmm. in the States. And now she's the CEO of her own translation company, Tao & Co. Mm-hmm. Decided. That's right? Yep. Perfect. So welcome uh, to this podcast, Tao. Hi, everyone. <laughs> it's a great pleasure to have you today. The co-host with me is going to be Dana. Hi, Dana. Hello. All right. So let's get uh, into all of this. I know you prepared your questions very well. So <laughs> we're going to have about an hour together. I'm very excited. So tell us, where in Vietnam did you grow up and how was your childhood? I grew up here in Saigon. I have a happy childhood. I was the first born. I was born in 1990, so about 15 years after the Vietnam War. And so, like my friends, I think we are the joy and hope for our parents in the process of, you know, dealing with the aftermath of the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, when I say that I had a happy childhood that may seem normal to you guys, but it was an such a big effort from my family so that me and my younger so that me and my younger brother can have a happy childhood um, so that we can have fun and learn all, all, you know we didn't have everything that we wanted but we had everything that we needed uh, to grow up uh, to learn and to have fun um, and I'm here talking to you part I think mainly because of that happy childhood. Mm-hmm. So I'm very grateful. So it's interesting to, um, I always react to the word normal. Because <laughs> like, you talked about the, uh, you know, uh, building a family after the war. Mm-hmm. So what was the normal after the war? What was the, was it, a, was it more like the, the family that everybody was in, aspiring to be? Or was it like a normal, normal, what you had? I think what was normal back then was that everybody was kind of suffering in their own ways. So if there was not enough food in our family, like the family next door would were facing the same thing. So that was the normalcy mm-hmm. back then. So suffering was the normalcy. Kind of, mm-hmm. because we were trying to, re- to sort of rebuild Vietnam. But when I was born, things for my family got a bit better. So by the time that my younger brother was born, things was way too much better. We have a roof over our head. Yes. Uh, whatever that we wanted to learn, our parents were happy to be able to uh, do that. I didn't have all the kind of the clothing that I wanted, but basically I got whatever that I needed. Mm-hmm. So I, your parents were very supportive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, because of that, um, I'm very grateful. Mm, to be where I am. Yeah. Mm. Uh, for, you know, when I went to the States for my BA, I saw how my friends were brought, was, uh, you know, they have a sort of happy childhood, uh, sort of, but what their parents were... You mean were, American friends? Yes, were like, yes. Yeah. So, but what their parents were facing, I think in terms of the toughness compared to my, what my parents were facing, is very different. So mm. for me to have a happy childhood is great effort from my family mm-hmm. um, yeah what type of uh, business were your parents doing if I may ask uh, yeah they have their own business they've been running the business since uh, I was very young and they you know and um, they are very much self-made 
entrepreneurs too,、mm-hmm. and quite I think successful ones. Yeah, and they are still doing it. Yeah, very very busy. <laughs> yeah, are you proud of your parents? I think I am a nobody without my parents.、Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be here、um, yeah. without them, without their support, without their guidance. Um, so they are my friends, my teachers. In some way, I think they are my fan too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, um, yeah, so that's great. I'll come back to your parents later. <laughs> I have some questions about that. <laughs>、mm-hmm. We just found out about your high school.、Um, so before we go to your time in America, can you tell us a bit more about this high school? Yeah,、um, I had the dream of going to this high school since I was very young. Because this is one of the best high school here in Vietnam, and it has a long history. Now it is called Le Hong Phong High School for the Gifted. But prior to this time, it was called. It was named after the first Vietnamese scientist, which is Mr. Bejuski. Um. So. Bejuski. Uh huh. That doesn't sound very Vietnamese. Bejuski. Um. His real Vietnamese name is Zhuong Minki. Ah. Okay. I see. Bejuski because he. Was he has this French name when the French was here? Yes, yes. And、uh, so my high school was built by the French. So it has a long history of the people who went to this high school and made it in their, you know, they 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 always do great. And the most important thing is that we always turn out to be some sort of patriot. Hmm.、Um, What do you mean by that? Um, this high school is known for the you know um it's made of the students who. Who want to do great things for this country?、Mm-hmm. With what, with whatever that we decide to do,、uh, we know that we come to this high school with that sense of both pride but also sense of the responsibility.、Mm-hmm. We here for a reason, and our life is just not about ourselves. It's for our family, and it's also for Vietnam. And so, going to this high school, you have to pass certain tests, which is very difficult. And、um, once you pass it, the government would mostly sponsor your school fee. But、mm-hmm. even if that you cannot pay, you can apply、uh, that your family come from.、Um, so, you know, you cannot pay. So, so they would make it free for you. So even that my family and my friends' family, we can pay for higher school fee, but they don't take it. And so the people who go to this high school, their family, they are not made up with the, uh, they they mostly don't come from family with means. They、mm-hmm. come from fam, they come from family with good work ethics. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of my friends, uh, uh, some see schooling is a way to make a better life. So they study like crazy. But the most important thing is that we we all have this sense of purpose in our life at a very young age.、Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, um, Who instilled that in you? Um, I think. The fact that we pass the test to be able to go to this high school, and so we when we go in, when we go in, we we feel that,、uh, we feel that sense of responsibility. So now、mm-hmm. that、um, but before you went and you had this desire, you said you、mm-hmm. since you were a child, you always had this desire to go to this school. So、mm-hmm. what do you think?、Uh, where did that desire come from to, like, feel the sense of purpose and make an impact in Vietnam? This high school and with its brand name,、um, is sort of like the Harvard of high school,、mm-hmm. but but Harvard is a private place. This is a government sponsored、mm-hmm. place. So prior to come to this high school, I always heard stories of the, of sort of the graduates, graduates、mm-hmm. who went on to do great things and the great things that they did, not just for their lives. But also for the people of Vietnam.、Mm-hmm. So once we were able to pass this test and go into, we feel now that we have to live our life so that it looks like it makes sense that we are here. Mm-hmm.、Uh, mm-hmm. So we have to do great things so that we pay the respect back to the people of Vietnam and yeah. And and the one things、uh, that I learned from this high school is that one, we don't. We don't actually study as much as you guys think, and two is that 
once we land it into this high school, you know, I think one of the first things that the school teaches us was crush our was crushing our confidence because we thought we were cool. We thought <laughs> we were smart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the first things that that they did was that they gave us the lowest rate possible that we ever had in our life. You know why they did that? Just to humble you. Yes. So um, going to this high school is not the things that we go out and bragging. And so making sure that we know that we should always keep trying. Oh, um, and learning is a lifelong journey is what these school, te- uh, school teachers uh, want to plant the seed mm. in us. And so uh, when our confidence was crossed, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, um, we, we learned that lessons. And so... Um, going to this high school and the, and the things that I learned here for it sort of it sort of forever shaped my mm-hmm. my life and and I can never go out and not to be humble mm-hmm. I I would keep my head low and and, and and I keep working I keep pushing and I keep learning and so a lot of the later actions in my life which i would later tell you like i'm very shy away from the title like the president or ceo i um is because of the actions that the school teachers had in me mm-hmm. and 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 because i went to this high school i have to act like i went to this place mm-hmm. and to always be humble and respectful and treat learning and working hard is um it's just a natural thing. Mm-hmm. And when you said um, you didn't study as much as people would think, is mm-hmm. that because more of the focus was on doing things and like putting things into action? Or what do you mean by that? Uh, what I meant by that is that people have this um, sort of perceptions that the people in here was forced to do a lot of homework, mm-hmm. but the school teacher didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't actually study have a lot of homework mm-hmm. <laughs> like medical things. So when we pass the test and we know that we were going here, mm-hmm. the school teacher would have sort of a meeting with our, with our parents how to treat the gifted child mm-hmm. and things yeah. like that. And, and so one of the uh, things that they try to work with the parents. And, mm-hmm. and so later on, even if we were able to achieve a higher thing, they were told how to act. Wow. So, uh, what were some of the things they told them uh, to do? Well, this is sort of the school's um, advice, but not like told. But when I asked my parents, um, I think one of the things my dad said was like, treat them just like any normal kids. They're just a bunch of stupid kids still. So, don't treat them like gifted kids. Mm-hmm. And we would do that too. So, we give them the blo- lowest race possible. <laughs> <laughs> do you have siblings? Yeah. One brother, is that right? One younger brother, which mm. is nine years. And did he go to the school too? No, he didn't. Mm. So what was that dynamic like? He didn't go and none of my cousins went. You know, a couple of years ago, when we were doing the Lise thing, I was giving him some sort of money at the beginning of the Lunar New Year. And so he said to me that, you know, sister, I wish that someday I could be just like you. And I feel so sorry that I wish I was a better sister because, you know, doing great is, you know, schooling. Maybe not for you, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that you're not as good as me. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. <laughs> you can keep going. It's okay to get emotional too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Emotional, it means you're, Safe space. you're touching a pain point here, <laughs> which is uh, good. Yeah. Did he try to get into the school and he didn't get in or he just wasn't interested he's a boy uh, he oh liked... is it only for girls this school no 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 i mean he's a <laughs> he's a boy so obviously <laughs> he cannot get in <laughs> boys at that age <laughs> and he's a boy so um he see he likes to play okay. so he's now doing the engineering thing which is his thing Okay. So schooling and getting ready for me, like writing pages, like mm-hmm. this is, is not his thing. Okay. Um, and and so, do you think your parents too? Um, sorry, I cut you off. I'm, I'm so sorry. It's okay. Uh, do you think your parents also educated him differently? 
or they were just like not as expecting or just supporting in a different way or maybe that's your family style too to support whichever way they want to go mm-hmm. so it's not like one path fits all mm-hmm. so it's still pretty good to be an engineer no yeah <laughs> it's still uh, very good actually mm-hmm. i think they try because i was their first one mm-hmm. so i think as a parent probably when they had my younger sister we take this house with us and mm-hmm. up and and just do the same thing to him but they soon learned it didn't work out so they change yeah. and and so we now they're grateful that he's went to the engineering schools and and he passes and and now listen he may be the first person in my family to have the master mm-hmm. degree <laughs> yes. so it, it turned out that he may be more educated <laughs> than I am. So yeah. things work out uh, right. um, and, and I'm very glad. Very good. So talking about that, let's move along to your degree now. <laughs> so you you finished high school and then you decided to go to the US right away. Or mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit more about that transition in life uh, from high school to the US. It was fun. I was 18, didn't know what to um, expect. The first flight that I had was flying from home to America, <laughs> and it was the best. It was my first time traveling too. By and yourself? Did you go alone? I went with my cousins okay. because they were flying to America to live there as the resident, but I traveled there with them as a foreign student. Mm-hmm. And I lived at my uncle's place, so at first I was at home, away from home. So the transition is not that big of the place. I had so much fun and I have my own car. Mm. I live my life as a, like anybody there. I brought mm. myself to places. And so from morning to the, from, from during the days, um, I would study and I would work at school too. And during my last two years, I was working as an intern at an ad company. Mm-hmm. Um, and so during the weekends, I would go hiking with my cousins and with my friends, and uh, I love it. I think when you know when you were young, it's that made it very easy to sort of blend in. Yeah. Uh, so at the first year, at the first couple of months, uh, it was a little bit difficult for people to hear to actually make what I'm what I was trying to say. But first couple of months passed by, things started to uh, roll. I was able to get what the teachers were saying, talk to my classmates. I brought my car to places, so life. Uh, which is normal. After two months, you were driving a car in the States, <laughs> speaking fluent English. <laughs> Truly gifted. It's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Truly gifted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you you went there when you were 18, and uh, you stayed there for four years, mm-hmm. so the time for your bachelor. Mm-hmm. You started right away at 18 years old, going to university, mm-hmm. and uh, and your English, uh, so your English, you studied in high school English, mm-hmm. but my guess is you've never practiced it. Yep. And then it took you two months to accommodate to the accent and everything. Right. Uh, but so, like, what was the um, what was your first day at university? I, I was lost, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> like everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it was so big. Yeah. Were you scared? No, uh, I was just lost, and and I remember didn't know how to use the coins because you know you have the. Oh. <laughs> You have nickel, quarter, quarter dimes. Um, so nickel. I was uh, at a place. I think at the sort of bookstore. I didn't know how to use this. Mm. And so the guy standing behind me he is. I told him I was the foreign. This is my first week here. So please show me how to to yeah. use these coins. <laughs> and and so people look at me. So we will help you. And so I not only that, but I also have uh, help from my cousins. We speak English. At home, mm-hmm. so that helped yeah. so so much, and and I was working as the the I wouldn't know how to say this was sort of like the math teacher, mm-hmm. the statistic tutor. T- uh, tutor. Mm-hmm. So I had to practice t- uh, speaking in sort of a way that my classmate can un- 
can actually make up what I'm trying to uh-huh. teach them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I taught them that and they taught me how to say certain words in ways that they can understand. So so I got help from my family and from my classmate and I learned to get better. You know, you know, when when you were young, I think your tongues, you know, it's just how uh, um, you can easily catch up with things. Mm-hmm. Very I'm not that gifted as you. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm like I I moved to Canada when I was 18, 19 years old, and yeah, very similar experience. Except um, it's a story that I tell very often. My first time ordering coffee was a nightmare. Mm. It was like uh, I don't know if you have the same experience, but I'll tell mine because it's my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's uh, I um you know you. When you go and you, you cannot speak the language, mm-hmm. I had like my, my little money ready and I was like checking the prices and I was like, okay, I want this coffee and I was preparing my little sentence in my head and I was very stressed because there is a lineup and then I get in front of the woman and I go, uh, coffee, please. And I, and I try to say the sentence and she goes like, how many milk, how many coffee, what size, you know, like mm-hmm. double, double, triple, triple. And I'm like, <laughs> a coffee, please. <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes, uh, you know, it, 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 and it's so stressful because people are behind you. And then she finally brings the coffee and she goes like, how would you like to pay cars, cars, credit card? And yeah. You have points. You want to donate money? And I was like, a coffee, please. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, stop talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> Just take my money. <laughs> take my money. And then, and then in my head, it was really cool. That was one of the first things that I wanted to do going into North America mm-hmm. was to uh, was to take a coffee mm-hmm. and walk into the subway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was the coolest thing in my yeah. head. I was like, we don't do this in Paris. And I was yeah. like, I got my coffee. I went to the subway and it was hot. Yeah. And it started dripping everywhere. Yeah. And I was like, oh. Yeah. yeah, it was practice. Yeah. But I think now sitting here with you guys, looking back, I think I had zero fear. Yeah, that's amazing. It's amazing. And, and <laughs> I was crying my first day. Like, and I, have, I wasn't uh, sort of afraid of being laughed at for yeah. being different. Oh, wow. Um, so I remember having so much fun with my cousin. So she was driving me, I think, to San Francisco mm-hmm. to visit uh, her sister. And so we was just driving in her car. So on the side of the freeway, I saw this, these orange bags. Mm-hmm. And the first thought is that it's going to be like in here in Vietnam, you know, when you were driving and you just stop on the sideway and then some random guy was come and trying to sell you like mm-hmm. oranges and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so I asked my cousin, Amanda, you want some oranges? And she's like, yeah, do you pack it out? I say, no, but we can just stop right there and then buy some oranges. <laughs> but, but she was like, Oranges, where? And so I pointed at the orange bag. Do you know what that is? Like trash bag? Trash bag <laughs> by the people who went to jail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, oh my god. <laughs> because I thought that, you know, if we just stop by some sort of random seller would pop out of the bushes and sell us oranges. Give them style. We had just so much fun and mm-hmm. I made so many <laughs> um, mistakes and we just la- they just laugh at me <laughs> and we have fun that's, mm-hmm. and that's how we bond. So you, yeah. you've never had a time where you felt like othered or not normal or outcast? Did you feel any type of racism? Any type of like trying to get the negative part of it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Anything like this? I, I look passes because I know I am a foreign student. I mm-hmm. know I am different and y- y'all ought to respect me. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> bow down, bitches. <laughs> y'all. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, um, I know that, uh, but uh, you know, to get there is a journey. Mm-hmm. And back, going back to my family, I remember a couple of the first weeks I called my mom and she sends some signs of change in my accent. Mm-hmm. I was trying to change my accents in a way that made people think that I am from here. Mm-hmm. And my mom sensed that and she called me out on that. Was that a problem? It was a problem for her because mm-hmm. I, wasn't, I wasn't myself. Did you feel that you weren't yourself? I know I tried to uh, change myself so that mm-hmm. I can be more like the kids did. Are you, were, were you talking like 
valley girl a little bit or anything like this? Uh, not, it's just my Vietnamese accent changed a little bit. Because I was mm-hmm. trying to sound like oh, I was born here in America. Uh, but my mom was <laughs> yeah. not having any of it. I, mm. I was born here and yeah. I was there just briefly for a couple of years for school. And so I need to accept the fact that I was not from there. And so I have to change my accent back. <laughs> so she she kept that technique of humbling you down. Just yeah. In case. yeah. <laughs> okay, that's not good. just that time, but every single time mm-hmm. that okay. she sent change that wasn't the child that she raised. Mm-hmm. Not just her, but also my dad and um, and my whole family. So. <laughs> but so like they could sense the when your intention wasn't right for you. I guess when you did that change, like. You recognized too that your intention was to show off a little bit or just to blend in. Yeah, to just blend to in, cool. yes. So you agreed with that. Was there a certain part where they called you out on something that you disagreed? Well well when she called out on me, I wouldn't um oh, uh, I would just lie mom, this is how I spoke <laughs> my whole life. <laughs> uh, and she was not having any of it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so um, but after that call, I know that she was right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't say to to her that that mommy you right. Still now, every single time, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that she was right. But after she left, I know she was right. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. So, what was your major? Sorry. Business. Business. What type of business? Uh, my major is business administration okay. with the concentration on. Entrepreneurship. I see. Why well, Nicole should have been here. Yeah. <laughs> what? Nicola, our other uh, co-host. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think he did the exact same thing than you. <laughs> in the France. Same major. In France, yeah, exactly okay. the same major, I and mean, then he took a specialization in entrepreneurship too. Okay. I, um, at Cal State Fullerton, so we would split our class into teams, and so each team would get to consult an actual real small business mm-hmm. with the with sort of the mentorship of our professor mm-hmm. and another fellow entrepreneurs that the school was able to get a hold of. So each of the team is made of uh, one teams out of four or five students with one being the team leader, one professor and one mentor. I see. Uh, so we went to console real business and so uh, it would last uh, the whole semester so by the end of the semester we are supposed to write a full sort of full report of how things should be changed and what we saw and do a full-on presentation to the real business very good and so it, it, it took so we actually make sure to the actual business mm-hmm. mod, like many times just to have a full sense of what they are going through and what we see and what they see. I uh, see. If you could go back in time, mm-hmm. what advice would you give yourself? Um, just to be a better sibling. Even when you were in the States, like I'm talking about that period at the, in, in America. Uh-huh. We, you wanted to be a better sibling. Oh, oh, oh time in America. Yeah. If, if I went back. If you could go back to you when you were 18 to 22, I guess. Okay. In that period, what would what advice would you give yourself? Um, I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't change anything. But just prior to being eighteen, uh, yeah. I wish I could be a better sister. Mm. Yeah. So are you a better sister today? Um, well, it's a little bit too late now. But what? It's never too <laughs> late. Too late. <laughs> uh, you're both still alive. <laughs> I'm the youngest, and I wish my brother and sister would help me. <laughs> Especially right now, they're all having good jobs. Good money. <laughs> no, but so why? Why are you saying it's too late? Because I couldn't. Because you know he's now 20, 22 now. Yes. So he's a grown-up man now. So. Everything I do now is going to be a little bit different from what, when we were still living in the same house when he was young. So that he can feel my love for him. But then it's, it's whether you change the way you um, show your love mm. or you don't show at all. I, I, I tend to not show. Um, mm. And so I'm learning to, to show more. Yes. Mm. You can tell him you love him on the podcast. Oh, no. This is funny. <laughs> yeah. um, so, well, but, uh, but actually, um, 
I think you called out on my lie a little bit when I was 18 to 22. If, if, if I could go back yes. a little bit, um, I think I should have more fun. Should have more fun. Yeah, but going out more. Uh-huh. Because every time I went out, you know, my parents pay for my tuition fee way much more than the local resident there. So if I go out part like go out to party, I felt very guilty. Yeah, very guilty. Because my school fee was fully sponsored by my parents, and they earn their money in Vietnam dollar, yeah. not in the U.S. dollars. And so I was very hesitant to to go out. But I do have some trips like going hiking, going to the mountains, going out to eat with friends. But if I do it all over. Again, I would go out even more. <laughs> yes, uh, just to have more fun. It's mm. very good. It's interesting. So, um, back to Vietnam now. Uh-huh. Um, so you've done your, you've graduated from Fullerton. You mm-hmm. uh, decide to come back. So, like, it was always in the plan to come back to Vietnam. Yeah. And then you're back at 22, 23 years old. Mm-hmm. And so, how is life now that you are back in Vietnam with this experience being abroad? Mm. When I went back here first, like when I went to America, I have zero fear. I just went straight at. After I finished with the school, I sold my car and booked a flight ticket. I say, I say goodbye to all my family there, and I flew back here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a little bit nervous because I wouldn't know, because now, uh, then I was twenty-two, yeah, so quite a little bit older. So I had some. Uh, sort of nerve that I don't know what would happen, what kind of job that I would work. And I have a wrongful assumption that the things I learned in America would resonate with everybody here. Mm-hmm. That was wrong. And through jobs, I learned to get better through mistakes. I learned that in order for you to review your points of view on how things should be done you have to establish first your trust with your boss and with your teammates and from then on you can start to tell them how things should be changed to be better and things and things like that and not tap and not just go not just going in and point out uh, and so through mistakes i learned to be better but uh, it wasn't easy. Mm. Yeah. You were very outspoken about, hey, you should change this, you should change that, or yeah. you should get a meeting room at Dreamplex. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you have any examples of something, an idea that you got from America that didn't really translate well here? I think I, when I went back here, I just forgot that uh, I, I, I am now here in Asia, mm-hmm. uh, not mm. in America. That means talking to your boss and your boss, in many ways, they see themselves as not your fellow teammates. And that may be a little bit different in the Western world. The teacher, how they see their role is a little bit different from the teacher here see their role. So they expect more here. They naturally, they grow up here. So they expect more respect, more loyalty. And in the Western world, you know, we all have the common goals. So your teachers will allow you to ask questions, to challenge them. And so that, that's how they sense you, how much you getting things. Here, mm-hmm. the way of doing things can be a little bit different. I mean, it makes sense because here we are in Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so changing the way of, of doing things, it takes them, it takes time. But through mistakes, I learned to be better. You learned to adapt or to be better? To better work with them. I see, yes. Yeah. But is it like, the, so this conflict that you have in the work uh, culture, I guess, I mm-hmm. would call it, is it the reason why you decided to be your own entrepreneur and CEO now? Could be. In 2016, which is four years since I went back here, so I went through two full-time jobs. First, when I went back here, I was working as a brand specialist as a pharma firm called UIP. And then I went to work as the researcher as a global leading research uh, company here called Kanta DNS. So those are two corporate, big corporates. And I started to feel that maybe corporate is not my thing. So maybe it has nothing to do with the Asian culture. 
I think you just said it, yeah. I think it's yeah. about the corporate culture that you're disagreeing with. Yeah. What were the what were the signs telling you, mm, this maybe isn't for me? Yeah. Like uh, when we were working, I want the best for my clients and the, and so because if client can see that that means they can keep working with us, so that's good for our team too. But you know, the best idea is supposed to come from the boss, not from you. And, and, and so you have to be careful. But you know, when I see that it's the best for my clients, it's the best for my team, why are we not doing it? And so I love the corporate world. Mm-hmm. And, and now I'm doing this because I think, one, I can do it. <laughs> and two, because maybe the corporate is, is, is not my thing. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to come back to your, to your transition to, to Tao & Co. Mm-hmm. But so I'm more interested in this dynamic that you had or this transition back into Vietnam. In terms of like, I guess what you started explaining is some of your social insecurity or your your fear coming back into, you know, like a, a structure that you knew before that big growth of four years in the States. Mm-hmm. So for me, for example, we talked like when I worked in tourism, we talked a lot about body language mm-hmm. and of, we don't have a video today. But when you started talking about your first days in the, in the US, mm-hmm. you... You went up, your smile, your whole body yeah, language opened yeah. up, your <laughs> face animated. was like, and it was the definition of freedom, mm-hmm. you know, and I could feel it. And, mm-hmm. and I wish the audience could feel it and they probably can feel it in your, in your voice. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you talked about your transition back into Vietnam, mm-hmm. there was this heavy yeah. weight back you know, on your shoulder. And, yeah. Do you know why? Because people don't want change. People don't want change. Mm-hmm. Uh, people people here in, I'm interpreting this yeah. people here in Vietnam didn't want to see you change or it was hard for you to not see people change if I come up with ways that can help us I think mm-hmm. be better that means certain change in how we do things and generally people don't want change mm. you know I think I think in general if I can answer that but I think people want to be understood before they want to be changed. That is right. That and is like, right. so if we, and it's because this is a problem that, I, or this is something that I've been really trying and careful um, about here in Vietnam is to not come as the Vicky know all, do all, mm-hmm. genius, uh, you know, I live abroad and like listen to me. And I've been really careful about mm-hmm. listening first to the actual problem and, and to understand, like, you know, yeah. like, even if they have problem or not, <laughs> or yeah. the hopes and, and all of that, so yeah, that's 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 my view on that. I think they want to be understood. Yeah, so I I don't I don't know if I decided to stay in the states and start working, would I be facing the same problem or not? I don't know. You never worked in the states. I worked as an intern. Uh, mm-hmm. I never had a full time job there, mm-hmm. so I don't know how it is here compared to the workplace in America because when I was doing the in doing the internship they treated me very um I was the kid in mm-hmm. the office as I, so everybody was nice mm-hmm. but as a full time staff there I don't know whether that would be uh, that would change. Here the same thing too. Now looking at back uh, at the, those early years working for corporate here, I used to blame on the workplace here. I, I, I used to blame on things, but I think it comes with my immaturity. And as I grow up and, and I see things here, I think people are more similar than different. Maybe the problems I face in the work, maybe I'm not a person who uh, thinks that corporate is my thing. So maybe if I work for corporate, <laughs> Like everywhere else, it would be maybe the same story. Yeah, I can. I want to add to this because I have worked in corporate in America and we actually have had very similar paths. I also worked at an ad agency, pharmaceutical ad agency, worked in market research and brand strategy and things like that. And I too was like, screw this corporate life, <laughs> I'm leaving. So I would say it definitely depends. I would say people are more open to change in America, but at the same time, not so much. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, I think it really depends on who your boss is mm-hmm. because I had both types who one boss was more about 
his title and he wanted to be the one with the ideas and didn't want to hear about any different way of doing things. Um, if I brought up issues that I saw, I was kind of silenced and, you know, you know, no, don't worry about it. Don't, you know, kind of thing. But on the other hand, I also had a CEO of my company who I would directly email him <laughs> with my problems and he would take me out to lunch and like really hear me out mm -hmm. um, and, and you know, like start making change right away if mm -hmm. I said something. So it definitely depends. But I also see what you mean as an, as an American coming here mm -hmm. and also working in mm -hmm. companies here and seeing that structure. I can feel the resistance to change for sure when mm -hmm. I try to come in and like mm -hmm. say, you know, why isn't it this way? This would make so much more sense. Mm -hmm. When I say things like that, they will literally change the subject as if <laughs> I didn't say anything at all. It makes me feel like I'm a ghost. Like mm -hmm. I said, I say something they're like, so anyway, like, <laughs> and they just like, and I'm like, what? Like, I just. Yeah. I just said something to you. It's so weird. Yeah, I'm going to add to this too. I think it was so, no, actually, it's more of a question, a reflection question is, so, and I wanted to ask you this one, at your time in high school and throughout your, your whole life, career, education right now, were you ever introduced to the, to the notion of emotional intelligence? Whether it's in university, in high school, or anything like this? Yeah. And uh, so do you know what emotional intelligence is? I... Yeah, I yeah, know yeah. that, but I, I don't have a, like a trainer on yeah, that topic. Yeah, I think it's uh, well, the, the way I see it, like, you know, in, in the patterns of things with, with what your experience is, mm -hmm. what you've experienced is, is um, with the people that you dealt in the corporate world, usually mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a big lack of emotional intelligence where everything is emotional, you know, like when mm -hmm. they refuse your logical approach of things that make sense and they refute it or they ignore it, so it's based on their emotion because mm -hmm. we're all like, grown-up kids really mm. when you were talking about your uh, your brother um, at some point you were saying he's a grown-up adult already mm. for me with the approach of emotional intelligence it doesn't mean that emotionally he's a grown-up either <laughs> you know well, true. And, and when you were talking also about your learning from your mistakes mm -hmm. and, and growing up and you said you you've, you've matured mm -hmm. it wasn't based on your age it was based on how you took in the mistakes emotionally and how you grew from that. Mm -hmm. So I think there is the, an approach based on like, you know, that emotional intelligence uh, framework that maybe you, you can look into. But I know in, in the West right now, those are two things that are, you know, the balance between the IQ and EQ is mm -hmm. very important where, you know, you need to, you need to bring in the, uh, the corporate world doesn't do this very enough where they kind of, they tend to ignore mm -hmm. the emotional aspect of this. That's mm -hmm. why there is like human resources and <laughs> all this, this masquerade of things, but things are very emotional at the end of the day. Yeah. I don't know if that's supposed wow. to <laughs> um, Now, so like, because, uh, uh, so if we go into, uh, to Tao and Co right now, mm -hmm. um, I guess it's, you know, like your frustration with the corporate world Sort of, yeah. Uh, sort of your frustration that led you to start your own company. Yeah. Was there any other desire behind it that led you to open Taiwan Co? I am in this business because I, I can because early I sense that I can create a good business out of this, mm -hmm. and the more I do it, the more I think I can. I can do this better, mm -hmm. and differently. Very good. So for the audience that don't know, like tell us. More about Tao and Co. So Tao and Co is a translation company. So we are a very different translation company in uh, in terms of our in terms of our process. Um, so if you book a translation project with us, you will have your dashboard where you can read the resume of the translators working on your project. You can check where the project is going, and especially you can chat with the translators. And this is the point that no translation company does. And uh, we make that happen for you so that you and the translation team would feel like you're on the same boat. So whatever you want in terms of the writing tone, in terms of the choice of words, you can tell that to the translators. And the translator, if they have any questions on your text, they can ask you. So 
we, we make that happen through our uh, platform and we build our platform. We don't buy license. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are very different. So if you learned about the translation field, there are two typical translation, uh, there are two typical business uh, business model. One is a typical translation company. So there's a BM in the middle. So the client send Project the manager. documents yes. to the BM and BM send to the translators and once it's done, it's sent back to the BM. And so the BM is a wall. There's, so there's sort of a wall between clients and the translation team. And so there's another different business uh, business model is the translation marketplace where you can actually work with the actual translators but the cons of that business model is that you can not know for sure whether that person would hand in the document on time and whether that is the best of the right thing whether it's a good translation work so you need some sort of the management from a typical translation company that can offer you. So our business uh, is uh, sort of emerged from those two business. So we function as a translation company, but we make that chat function happen. Mm-hmm. So you can talk to the people who work on your project. And they are, you know, the, the people who work on your document should be, should be able to talk to you. Uh, and, and so very, very different. But what we do is that we're not different for the sake of being different because we think our difference create better quality. So everything that we do is to create faster and better service. Very good. Do you plan on licensing out this platform to other translation businesses? Yes. Yeah. Um, as we build this platform, many people say that we should do that. We should go for that route. Mm-hmm. But as of now, my answer to it is no, because we we still have to perfect it first. Mm-hmm. Whether my thought on that change in the future or not, um, I don't know yet. But mm-hmm. for now, it's just for us. Mm-hmm. And and we built our platform. And for me, as a non-technical person, creating system and platform is so difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, 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 so difficult. So you did it? You didn't hire someone like a specialist to do that? No. Oh, you have a team of developers. Yeah, okay. I have a team because I don't do the, the coding. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm learning how to sort of manage as, mm-hmm. as a non-technical person. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm very grateful for my past mm-hmm. work, working for corporate because mm-hmm. I was trained as a researcher. I look at this translation field with the eye of a researcher, uh, trying to pinpoint what doesn't make sense about this field. We are in the 21st century, yet there's a wall between client and the translation team. That mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and so though the path that I was on, maybe corporate is not for me, but it helps me. Mm-hmm. So I'm very thankful for all of my former bosses, <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> I'm very grateful for all the things that, that I learned in my corporate time. Very good. So you've, you've started Talent Co. in 2016. Mm-hmm. It's been four years that you're following this model. No. Uh, from 2016 to 2019, we were sort of functioning very much like a typical translation company but we only started have the thought of a different kind of system and things like by the end of 2019 yes. and we started building our system and our platform our dashboard in 2020 so we only been using our platform and system for a few months now mm-hmm. and and we want more clients so that they can help us test mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. i was you know in the process of having our system and things like that not only our team need to change like our translation team they need to ask clients questions like that but we also need clients that uh, you know when you book a translation project with us we we hope that you would like to talk to the translation team mm-hmm. and not just not to just dump the doc, uh, docs on us and you know, like tr- translate us mm-hmm. and so we really hope if you have a sense of the writing tone and things like that we hope to hear from you so that the ending result is the kind of work that will be in line with your field of business mm-hmm. for this business model to work both sides need to like to talk to each 
to each other. So that means our platform have to be very user friendly. So do you have? Yeah. Do you need any type of uh, clients to test your system these days? Yeah, um, tell us. <laughs> tell the listeners exactly who you're looking for. Um, so right, ideal. yeah. So right now our system is not fully built yet. So we are looking for either an outsourced company or a team to help work on our system, which is very much like a translation project management system, but we have the additional function that is the chat function mm -hmm. uh, that making everybody within that project to talk to each other. Yes, yes, and, yes. And, and we are going uh, to expand uh, to like Chinese, Korean, Japanese, uh, so we need the translators in that in those languages too. And, and so we're also looking for an SEO um, specialist because we want our search ranking to, to go up a little bit because, um, yeah, so so um, outsource company, the translators in the Japanese, Korean, and Chinese, and also an SEO specialist. Okay. So please, please, please help us. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it out there if you're, if you're here and uh... Yeah, if anyone wants to uh, to help out and test out your system, it will be will great. I, I saw your website. You sent it to me. It looks very good. Thank the, you. Uh, the user experience is very important and so far. It's, yeah. it's um, looking you know, good. My business, it just has so much of me in, in that creating process. I do everything differently. That's who I am. Uh, I so my business is one good um, mm. example of who I am mm. uh, and I'm not different for the sake of being just being different my difference would help you uh, in, uh, it would be better for our clients and it would be better for our team um, so that's me do you feel like saying this puts you under a little bit more pressure I've been to be so different and uh, because when you were born this way so you live your life. So the way I think is that, okay, so I see how things are being done. Can I do it better and differently? So, mm -hmm. that's, the, so that's the sort of the creative thinking. So I was born that way. I so I don't have to act to be creative. I am a creative person. Mm -hmm. And I always think that way. How mm -hmm. to make things better and faster and maybe cheaper. Very good. I have nothing else to say. <laughs> yeah. uh, body language was on yes. point. <laughs> went, went straight to my heart. <laughs> um, so let's let's go into uh, some more personal question about your journey as an entrepreneur here. So do you find being a female CEO hard at times? My answer to your question is that I don't know yet. I don't know. Um, because I've never been a man. Um, to yes. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever I'm facing, I tend to ask the person who has who has been on this entrepreneurial journey much longer than I am. So I tell them what I'm facing, and, and they can tell me what I think I should do. And I look at them. You're not a man. You're not a woman. So so and and in the answer, I learned that they went through this too, regardless of their gender. It's a good answer. I don't know yet. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fantastic answer. I wasn't expecting this at all. Yes. Uh, <laughs> She's different. <laughs> She's different, yeah. No, you prepared this. <laughs> um, so, so tell us about your lowest moment as a, as a CEO or your lowest moment in your entrepreneurial journey so far. Um, another I don't know question too because I, I don't want to look back yet I want to keep going and put 100% of my energy and time to just keep pushing and and when I'm no longer on this journey maybe this business doesn't work out maybe I will back to back to my corporate life mm -hmm. or when I'm no longer working like when I'm in my 80s or something <laughs> uh, so if you ask ask me that question during that time then I would tell you what exact lowest point what have you learned about maintaining a healthy work-life balance I've told you so many times I my work-life balance maybe I don't have one mm -hmm. <laughs> but I think generally I live a healthy life. I really don't feel the need to like say to myself I, I need to balance my work and my life. Um, 
I have fun doing things, though it could be mm-hmm. stressful. But I found joy in those little moments. Like last week, uh, you know, when you ask me, what do I feel as a female entrepreneur or fi- or a f- or a female CEO? Um, I usually shy away from that title, but that doesn't mean I don't have fun with it. So last week. Um, <laughs> Interesting. Yes. Yeah. So last week I went to this hospital because I was showing signs of asthma, and so I went to visit uh, this doctor. And so while he was checking me out, he asked me, "Okay, so tell what is your job?" And I told him, "Yeah, Gong Lam Chung." I told him I was a business owner. Mm-hmm. And the doctor was like, "Yeah, right. So, what is your real job?" <laughs> what? <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and I was like, "Yeah, call him Chu." Is this a male or female doctor? You can guess. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and, and and so I don't usually play this card as the CEO, but I have fun w- with it. And and shocking people by telling them mm-hmm. I'm a CEO <laughs> at the most in as the most office place. Uh, so so um, maybe that's how I balance my stressful life, like mm-hmm. <laughs> like finding joy at the random moment. Yeah, uh, uh-huh. yeah. Um, But see, that's like a perfect <laughs> example of your experience as a female CEO because no man would ever have. Another man be like, yeah, right. You're a business owner. Like yeah, that yeah. not happen. But I learned from my mom and my dad. It's like life is not fair, so deal with it. Yeah. So I move. So I move on. Hmm. <laughs> Yay! I'm, I got you quiet. <laughs> I feel like it's not the first time on this podcast that a Vietnamese guest has kind of like didn't want to. Kind of like move past that answer, you know. The yeah, the work-life balance is something that we're ignoring here in Vietnam. I feel. Or I mean, bit. the the low point in the uh, entrepreneurial yes, yes. journey. Like, no, I don't pay attention to that. We mm-hmm. just like we just look forward. That's true. Yeah, yeah. We had another um, CEO entrepreneur here. That. Um, so my so my answer is the same. It's not the same. Like you're very much different. Obviously, I'm a person that that has my own ideas, mm-hmm. and so far you've you've answered things in a, in a totally different way. But it's it I I can't stop to agree with it in a in a sense. On the topic of work life balance, though, I I must <laughs> we must uh, you know as a team like you know be very firm about you know we we understand mm-hmm. where you are today, and I don't want to talk like a grandfather or anything like this. Yeah. But it's super important for everybody that is listening to us to know that first, work-life balance doesn't exist. Mm. For us, self-care exists and it should come before everything else. Mm. And that comes with like you know expressing your emotions, understanding yourself, having time for yourself, mm. having the time to take care of your plants. <laughs> <laughs> and, yep. then it's, and then like you know the fun that we're talking about when you have. If, if you have, if you want to call this work-life balance, the fun, the fun that you have in your life shouldn't be as a coping mechanism from a stressful work life. Right. And then, so if you have that intention behind it or if you have those mechanisms behind it, then you should reflect on it. And I'm not here to judge or anything like this, but look back at your you know, work life and mm-hmm. see if you're, you're over achieving your fun because you're coping with some type of stress mm. or you're like, you know, and then because you're trying to find that balance. Right. Ultimately, and this is leading to my next question is what is your goal in life? Yeah. So you can tell from the past, I live my life um, trying to actually make everybody happy. And um, I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Do I see? Um, whatever I've been tasked, I tried my best um, mm-hmm. um, to to do to do to do that. Um, yeah. I'm gonna cut you off because this is this is very good. I have I have, <laughs> a, I have you on the spot right now. Uh oh. The, the the little nice emotional point is, uh, you know, like we when you talk you started talking about your childhood and how you know the Vietnamese culture is a lot about sacrifice. Yeah sacrificing of the older generation for the happiness of the youngest. Yeah. Do you feel first, like I feel that you have this pattern in your life and even when 
you just said your goal in life is to make others happy. Mm-hmm. When is your own happiness coming into play then? When is it coming into a goal? Because, and very honestly, like, you will never be able to make others happy yeah. if you don't make yourself happy first. <clears throat> yeah. So it's not a question, it's just a statement, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should work on it. <laughs> so start working on my sis- so on my dashboard and system and then... <laughs> I'm just, spend, just spending time with Uday City trying to make up <laughs> no, my no, life. No, it's not true. It's not true. I, I think it's, and that's why one, of, uh, one side of my business is called New Perspective is, you know, it's it's about me asking you the questions too. Do you feel happy building this dashboard? Yes. Then here you, here you go. Yes. But it's for you to frame that happiness, you know, and then for you to say, I don't have any type of work-life balance is wrong for, to you because you do feel happy. You do yeah. you don't know how to make yourself happy. You. Yeah. Achieving those things is making you feel happy. Mm. It's just in the in the eye of the society is like overworking is not happy for this period of time in your life. Mm-hmm. If you do feel happy about working, then do feel happy a hundred percent. But don't feel like you should be sacrificing yourself to to gain success, or you should be sacrificing yourself for the happiness of others. Mm-hmm. And it's it's all about perspective. At the expense yes. of your own health and happiness. You know? okay. So it's how it's how you frame it. I think okay. you feel very happy in your company right now. Yeah. You feel fulfilled. Um, I I want to do more. Mm-hmm. So 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 much more. Yeah. yeah. So the 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 next side would be like you know to have the proper mechanism behind it to know exactly when and to be very true with yourself to know exactly when you're about to burn out, mm. exactly when you're about to go too far, when you're over caring, over achieving, or anything like this. So like you know, when work doesn't. When the work as a CEO or as a leader of any type of project stop being fun, mm-hmm. this is where you know it's wrong. Or so. it's time to hire out <laughs> yeah. like some tasks that you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think we would, Tracy and I would both say that like happiness is found in the present moment. Mm-hmm. And he knows this really well <laughs> because he's been his mind is off in the future lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it makes it makes the present moment really difficult when you're always thinking about and and dreaming about like what's next, what's next? I want to do more, I want to do more. Yeah. And that's great to mm-hmm. have those dreams and goals and like be going for that. But also and I, I can tell you do this too to have those moments where you're just grateful um, in the present moment for where you are right now and what mm-hmm. you have going on. Mm-hmm. And I know it seems like you 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 do do that. Like mm-hmm. you stop to appreciate um, what you have so far. So that's True. good. And I, I really need to work on this too. I don't know how, how to form. I, I, I never really spend time thinking about just me, what my life goal is. And, but I think I instantly know, but I really never spend time just to work on me. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the other day when I post the dancing clips um, with the and on my Facebook, and my one of my high school friends uh, commented that Tao, you're the same person, and every single time that I met with my childhood friends, mm-hmm. and they say that that makes me very happy, because I've done the things that. Uh, I, I've been through things, I've been through places, mm-hmm. but I have not changed. Uh, and, for, and and yeah. Sorry, um, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. It's a good question. Okay. Get ready for it. It's oh, a good God. question. <laughs> if you were to, so if Tao from 10 years from now uh-huh. would come back and talk to you, okay. do you think she would tell you to have more fun? Probably, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 Yeah. yeah. So do you see the pattern? But can I ask her whether I have how many kids? <laughs> we'll ask her. <laughs> yeah, I um, I see. This is very interesting. Is there any type of pressure as a female <laughs> CEO to be in a relationship? The answer to that is no. Um, I love with all of my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I like somebody, I sincerely like them. And I want the best thing to happen for them. Mm-hmm. Like whatever I do, I try my best. So when I move on, yeah. I don't look back. How would you describe Saigon in three words? Mm. Saigon is my heart, mind, and soul. Mm-hmm. Your heart, mind, and soul. Yes, because Saigon has given me everything that a human being uh, would wish for. A happy childhood, a supportive family, and the freedom 
to essentially do whatever that I want to. Uh, and so I have a very typical Taiwanese heart, mind, and soul. And I want to give everything that I have to make this place a better one. Very good. <laughs> very good. Anything that you wanted to add? Um, no, it's been a fun time and, um, and I'm very grateful to be here. No, thank you very much. It's been a, <laughs> it's been a very enlightening discussion, I think. Everything that I expected from it, got it. Wow. Yes. Very good. Thank you. Thank you, Tao. Thank you, Dana. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Dana. Dana. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening to my story. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening to Creators in Saigon. If you liked this episode, become a part of our mission to inspire others by leaving a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts and sharing this episode with your friends on social media. This one small act can truly make a difference in someone's life. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and see you next time.